I'm Jill Hopkins. That's Reggie Ponder. He's our senior film correspondent. We are so happy you're here. Happy New Year, Reggie Ponder. Happy New Year, Jill. Uh, it is 2020. It this is officially is our first the future. Show. This is our first show for 2020. It's it's like 2020 feels like the future. It's the first year that I feel like should not exist. Like it feels fake. Like because all the movies from the future when we were kids took place like 1917. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no, no my my fault. I, I'm getting my dates kind of mixed up. That you were talking about DeLorean and some other yeah, stuff. Yeah, like so. so like Back to the Future took place in or Back to the Future Two took place in like what 2018 or something like that. Blade Runner took place in like 2019. We are now in the future future. In the future future. You know what, Jill? We might be able to make a movie. Let's do it. I, I have some good now, ideas. In the future future. But you know what? I saw uh, this past week. I know we live in the future, but I visited uh, uh, a galaxy far away a long, long, long time oh, ago. Oh, did yeah. you, you saw the number one movie I did. from last week? I helped. It's, it's been out for three. <laughs> it's been out for three weeks. It it made another thirty four, thirty five million dollars. It is now d- domestically. This film has made four hundred and fifty one million dollars. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at its international numbers, which you already know are is is pretty he- hefty, another four hundred and eighty six million dollars. So this movie in Dang. three weeks, three weeks, has made. Nine hundred and forty-five million dollars. So you know, next week it'll it'll cross that billion-dollar mark. Mm-hmm. What, what did you think about the film? I enjoyed it. I uh, after I saw it, I went back and read some other folks' reviews, and and people had their reasons for being mad at this reason or that reason or whatever. But I mean, it was everything I want out of a Star Wars movie. It was, uh, you know relationships explored familial and otherwise we got to know more about uh kylo ren and how he uh acquired his powers uh there was a lot of pew 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 and that's basically all i ask for and and in embedded in the, the your comment about relationships is the little surprises along the way mm-hmm. and how all of those relationships are connected I, I think they did a a, a a a a solid job. Was this the best Star Wars movie? No. no. Was it a piece of trash? No. Was it enjoyable? And is this a movie that, if you're into the Star Wars franchise, the the whole mythology of it all, is this a movie that you should go see? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, for me, the the Jar Jar Binks was my problem. You know. Oh sure. Uh, you know, I, I could not get into that but i i think this works for me this works for me it's answering some questions uh some lingering questions that we've had since the 70s honestly uh it's uh the actors that they have employed here have all done such a great job oh yes. my biggest problem honestly with the whole film was that they did rose dirty she was in in the second movie. <laughs> She's out here like saving the day, doing this and that, like establishing like a love story. And then all of a sudden, she's just like over here on the side watching her man kiss up on somebody else or whatever. Oh. <laughs> Tell me if this bothered you. So you know how if there's like one black person in a movie and they're like not in a relationship with anybody and maybe they're flirting with this person or flirting with that person and then you see the second black person be introduced you're like oh they gonna end up together oh, girl, girl. <laughs> that's exactly be, what happened girl, in this film. Just, just be quiet <laughs> what 
But well, that's a trope, right? I feel like that's just, a thing just, that movies do. What was that song? You need to quit it. Because <laughs> that, that, yes, yes, yes. It's, it's totally Because she was, she was looking all sad. And I, I, I felt for it, too, because she was like, that's my oh, man. I'm sending goes. him off to war. He'll come back. <laughs> like, no. But not, with, not for me. <laughs> not for me. No. Nope. For sure. Number two at the box office was Jumanji, the next level. People and, love them some Jumanji. And, and let me tell you this, Joe. I was like, really? For the first one? Yeah. And everybody said this was a movie to see. They did a really good job on that first one. So yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. I can actually see how this might be a franchise movie. Yeah. But but I really wasn't sure how could you extend the story because the game is over. You yeah. went in, you came out. But this one was really about one of the players saying, I had I felt more like myself when I was in the game than I do in real life. What, the future future? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he goes back in and then the rest of the team feels compelled to go back in too. But unbeknownst to everybody, there's some other extra people who go back in and it is really on the next level. <laughs> I, I I like this one. Really good job. I hope that they continue to be smart and fresh if they if they bring out uh, another one uh, because I think it they they did a nice a nice job with this and the, the end of the movie actually hints at that it's a possibility that we might get another level and I wouldn't be mad at it. Yeah. I, I'm, a lot of times I'm mad at these you know you just keep on doing it but I wouldn't be mad at it. In fact, I'm waiting for you to invite us over to do some <laughs> Jumanji at the house. I have uh, I don't have the room for apparently what this Jumanji needs. There's no like wild animal sanctuary uh, anywhere in Logan Square that I can think of. But you know what? Let's come over. Let's have a Jumanji night. I, I'm thinking that would be so good. <laughs> and your dog would go into the game with us. Oh yeah. So we all become a character as well. So oh and I'm always Ollie. saying your dog. What's the dog's name? His name's Ollie. Ollie Oliver the dog. All right. So cool. So then uh, number three at the box office was Little Women. Number four was Frozen, and then number uh, number five was The Grudge, which I didn't see, but it's new at the box office. It made eleven million. What I do want to mention is that Little Women was one of my is one of my favorites for the year. I really like this movie. There's a lot of um, talk out there in the marketplace that women aren't being nominated for directors, and and this was. I, I don't even understand why it wouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, this this one r was really good. I understand some of the problems that people have with the movie because it jumps from from time periods. It jumps yeah. from and it, and it keeps going back and forth. It worked for me, but I will say that I did have to watch it twice to get it all because mm. there were some things that were happening. It's like, well, how does how does that connect? And maybe that is a flaw of the movie, but it, I really enjoyed this thoroughly uh, at at number three. I, I, I will tell you that at number 10, which was at number 8, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, my, it's, it's Cats. <laughs> this movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to see it. Like, I just, I, I want to, there's an article going around where people take a lot of, uh, let's say, enhancements. Before going to see oh, cats, you know what? You know what? I did not. I did not know that. I, I, I didn't know that. But really interesting. So, so here it made about twenty-five million in in the U.S. and then it made another thirty million uh, internationally. So this movie, by no means, is killing it at at the box office. the The budget for this was ninety-five million. So mm. it's only made. 55 million so this will be a flop uh o overall and 
Judy Dench, seriously? Come on, Dame. Did, did, <laughs> did we did we do that? I, I do have to mention, but we we got a lot of <laughs> lot to talk about. But I do have to mention number six was uh, Knives Out, which I haven't seen, oh, but I'll, I'll see together. this I'll see this week. Uh, number seven is Uncut Gems, which is a gem. People should see Ooh. this movie. It is Knew so. Knew that Adam Sandler had it, it, had it, it is, like that. It is so high energy that you will be frenetic. I mean, it, it is. This is. It's crazy. And then number nine was Bombshell. So though that's that's the box office. There's a lot to see. Obviously, it's award season, and that would be kind of my way of saying, hey, you want to talk Golden Globes and BAFTAs? We are going to talk Golden Globes and BAFTAs, but before we do, let's take a look at the yearly box office for 2019. Oh, yes. What do you, what do you got? I got just like Disney movies. Disney won the year. I mean, I guess that's not surprising. But I guess the the thing that is is kind of surprising is the the like variety of Disney movies. Like they're not all animated. They're not all you know necessarily quote unquote uh, like kids movies. Uh, but Walt Disney Studios with the top six spots for domestic box office. For what, what, what were their top movies? Because I'm I'm not looking at that one. Oh, so. I've got uh, Avengers Endgame. The Lion King was number two. Toy Story was number three. Frozen, number four, Captain Marvel, number five, and uh, Rise of Skywalker uh, at number six. They, 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 Disney did do a good job. They did kill it this year. So, hey, kudos to them. I think uh, Sony, however, uh, had had a couple of films out there, that, oh, yeah. and, they, and they're feeling pretty pretty happy as well because you think about Jumanji. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it did well at the box office with about $241 million. You look at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You also look at... Uh, Zombieland Double Tap, and I'm gonna tell you, yeah. I do not like those kind of movies. Zombieland Double Tap was fantastic. It was really good. They, they they figured that one out so well in the in the the writing, the comedy, the acting. I, I think just total, they hit a home run with a Zombie Double Tap. So I would say for people to see that, and then of course we we talked about Little Women, which is also from from Sony as well. Mm-hmm. I just uh, I know that 2019 was the year that Sony and uh, Disney and Marvel had to try to be friends, and they did it thanks Why to a, a tearful uh, phone call from Spider-Man himself. <laughs> that was one of my favorite stories. I'm Jill Hopkins. Reggie, the real critic, ponders joining me in the studio. It's award season, and once again, neither Reggie, Reggie nor I got invited to any of them. But that's okay. It doesn't mean we don't have strong opinions on who gets nominated for what and who wins and why uh let's go across the pond shall we reginald let's go across the pond yes uh, gather your passports and uh, let's get in on the baftas uh the baftas uh some folks call it the the british oscars uh it is that big a deal uh and and folks are always excited to see what uh, European media and and critics and reviewers uh, think about uh, the year's crop. Uh, but this year, uh, leadership had to get involved uh, to express some frustration. Some, some some definite frustration. So the what people are saying is, and you talked about this a little bit, is hashtag. BAFTA so white. I, I haven't mm-hmm. seen that hashtag, but that's a that's a good one to put out there. Is that out of all the categories, there are no people of color at all, like none of them, in, in, in any of them. And I think, uh, and additionally, when you look at a uh, best director, there's not a woman 
in in best director either. So th this was a, a a major problem, and Hollywood is saying the Hollywood or the actors are saying, really seriously, yeah. And and the the, the question is this: Are there movies? Are there performances? Are there actors and actresses who deserve or could even be considered for these categories, or were there just nothing there and and we have what we have? Yeah. Now, because Americans always like complaining about the British invasion, we got obviously Idris Elba, David Oyelowo, Cynthia Erivo, and we can we can keep going. They're here doing great work, so that work cannot be recognized by their home country. Mm -hmm. So this year, you, you definitely have Cynthia Erivo for, for Harriet. You have, for Dolomite, you have Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes, who... Did you did you see Dolomite? I did. I loved it. Wesley Snipes was... Wesley Snipes was a revelation. He <laughs> Like I didn't, I just didn't know he was that he was capable of being that guy. And then <laughs> <laughs> he was, just, he was he so was, funny. He was so funny. And then for Just Mercy, you have Michael B. Jordan as well as the Oscar winner Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Then you have Clemency with Alfie Woodard. There are actors and actresses out there. And then, of course, you have Aquafina. Aquafina, man. So, so there, and we could talk about other folks as well, but those are just some that I kind of want to throw out there. So, um, uh, Mark uh, Samuelson, the chairman of the Baptist, said this clearly. Everybody knows that everybody in the four, <coughs> excuse me, has, man, I'm choked up about this. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> let me try this Reggie again. Has feelings. Uh, clearly, everybody knows that everybody in the four acting groups of nominees are white. It's infuriating. We can't make the industry do something. All we can do is encourage and push and inspire and try to help people coming in at the bottom end. Yeah. Mark, Mark was mad. Saying, how, how, how can we do that? I, I, I heard that there's some talk about doing something like a Rooney rule that, yeah. that you do in football, uh -huh. even though that... It hasn't worked as you could see how <laughs> what, what the NFL has just done recently. They've hired all these coaches, and you haven't heard any black uh, person be considered. But yeah. anyway, that the Bath is considering something because it just seems so unfair and so lopsided. And one of the big problems is when we when we talked about the Baptists is that we we got a couple of people nominated to go against the, themselves. Yeah, I mean, just, oh, you know what? We looked all over, and we couldn't find any black people, but we found two Scarlett Johansons and two Margot Robbies, so we're fine. We we found two Scarlett Johansons and two Margot Robbies. Really? Yeah. Seriously? I mean, and I don't want to say that those two women are not good actors, because no. they are. No, And no. this isn't us being hatery. This is us just being like, you couldn't find one Lupita Nyong'o? And you found two Margot Robbie. So, so, so this is a problem for for the Baftas, and and I think it's, the, you know, one of the reasons that people are really upset about this is the Baftas a lot of times are a indication of the films and the actors and actresses that will be nominated for the Oscars. So this is very scary in a way for for Hollywood because they're thinking that this might be representative of that. So we'll see. I'll be looking out to see what happens with the with the BAFTAs in terms of the actual winners and, and losers. But one thing we do know, mm -hmm. there will not be any people of color. There will not be any people of color. 
which uh, means there probably won't be that many people of color watching. So, so, so the SAG they've Awards, shot themselves on the foot for that. So the SAG <laughs> Awards are on the 19th. Mm-hmm. The Spirit Awards are on the 8th. The, the right, right, uh, are on the 8th, like, uh, I think it's on the 8th. And then BAFT is on February the 2nd. So, so we'll, we'll get a sense for all of those awards in some kind of way uh, before the Oscars. I gotta vote. I gotta vote. Don't forget to vote. Everybody vote. All right. The Golden Globes were this past weekend, and we had lots of winners. Not a whole lot of like surprises. I don't. I want to say like you know the stuff that people kind of thought would win. One Joaquin Phoenix won for his turn in Joker. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won for Quentin Tarantino for best screenplay. Tom Hanks walking away with like the Cecil B. DeMille Award. Brad Pitt showed up, Laura Dern, who's amazing all the time. But let's talk about Aquafina some more because this is like Aquafina's universe. We're just living in it. This is her universe, and I, I am so impressed with this with this actor because what she has done to break through in Hollywood, I think, is absolutely phenomenal. She is she won best performance by an actress in a motion picture, musical, or comedy. That category always has some controversy because it's like, was that really a comedy? Was the farewell really a comedy? No. Mm. So, so, but this is not the first time that that question has come up. Are the movies nominated in there? But what what they do, what the Golden Globes do, is that they try to make it where two sets of movies have an opportunity to win so in all 10 films have a chance to win best film if if you will and and so in a comedy that's the same thing for for the actors as yeah. well so she wins here for the farewell and this is actually not a comedy there's some funny moments in it sure. and and it's about life but this is um this is a serious role and and a departure for her in some of the other things that she's been in. So so for her to win this is absolutely fun, phenomenal and it might open some it should open some doors. I also <clears throat> from an Asian perspective, China is investing a lot of money in Hollywood. They're sure. coming in and uh, uh, green lighting projects, working with independent filmmakers trying and I think that that has also helped this new influx of talent and mute, um, um, and movies and things of that nature. So I think that that's important as well. But really kudos to her. And I, I think unlike some of the, some some other actors who win these uh, prestigious awards, is that this is actually going to help her get more roles. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we say, oh, okay, Halle Berry got an Oscar, but where is she? What has she done? I mean... Because the roles for African American women as leads aren't really there. No. But I, I, I have a feeling, a sense, there's something that says that, that this is actually going to help Aquafina uh, and propel her to have some other roles out there as well. So I'm very excited about that. The first time I visited Death Row, I wasn't expecting to meet somebody the same age as me. From a neighborhood just like ours. Could have been me, Mama. But what you're doing is going to make a lot of people upset. You always taught me to fight for the people who need the help most. Your life is still meaningful, and I'm going to do everything possible to keep them from taking it. You don't know what you're into down here in Alabama when you're guilty from the moment you're born. I was just about to give up when I got a call from a Harvard lawyer looking to start a legal center for inmates on death row. I was in before he even offered me the job. 
never too late for justice. After graduating from Harvard University, Brian Stevenson heads to Alabama to defend those wrongly condemned or those not afforded proper representation. We need more Brian Stevensons in the world. And if they look like Michael B. Jordan, that's fine, too. It's all fine. <laughs> okay, all right. I just want to make sure I understand <laughs> where you were coming from. Just Mercy is out right now. Uh, it is a new movie from Destin Daniel Cretton. And it's based on a book called Just Mercy, A Story of Justice and Redemption by Brian Stevenson himself. Reggie Ponder, what do we think about this one? Yeah, so what, what's... What's really interesting about this film is that it is really about the case of Walter McMillan, who's mm -hmm. played by Jamie Foxx. He's on death row. He was sentenced to die for the notorious murder of an 18-year-old girl, despite a preponderance of the evidence that said that he wasn't there, that there was no way that he could do it. And so uh, who's in it? We talked about that as uh, Michael B. Jordan as uh, Stevenson. We have Jamie Foxx, who's playing uh, McMillan. And then we have Brie Larson, who is who works with Brian Stevenson to help uh, get people ex exonerated. What's the like about this is that the story of justice for people on death row is relevant and it really is a life or death issue. So this is one of those that that it's a true story. So you go into this one saying, let me see what what happened here. The fact that Brian Stevenson and others would dedicate their lives to this is so inspiring. And if you've listened to Brian Stevenson on a TED Talk or on an interview or or anything, this the story in and of itself is captivating. We get to see the drive and commitment of Stevenson. We get to see the obstacles and obstruction of justice. We get to see people who fight against justice, who actually, they're fighting against justice. Mm. We're like, nah, nah, yeah. we don't want that to happen. That's, that's not going to happen. This film does a great job of chronicling the story and showing us the journey. And you could feel it as you're going through the journey with this one. I think Fox is really at his best. He provides like the emotional foundation for this film. And I love Michael B. Jordan. I think he does an absolute solid a job mm -hmm. but what's not to like about this one is that even though Michael B. Jordan does a great job he doesn't even capture the fullness of Brian Stevenson and that's how come uh, and it's tough because it's almost like me knowing you and then somebody playing you and say yeah she did a good job but that's not the real Jill and so that's not a knock <laughs> on, 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 on Michael B. Jordan mm -hmm. it's just saying that learning so much about Stevenson there's a there's something there that that Jordan wasn't able to capture, but at the at the base, this movie works really really well, and it really shows you how the system is stacked against people, mm. and that we need people like Brian Stevenson to do what they do. So my my rating is that this provides a, a compelling argument for justice reform and the search for justice. It shows us that everyone isn't uh, about what is right, but is but what is expedient. That's what we see in this in this film and that it really costs us lives and the destruction of families. And I'm talking about the destructions of families that if you're wrongly convicted, this one family thinks that they got justice, but they really did not get justice mm -hmm. because of the, that. I'm giving this one three and a half. I think okay. people should go out and check it out. Three and a half reels for Just Mercy. Let's find out more about the World War One drama 1917. I have a brother in the 2nd Battalion. Yes, sir. They're walking into a trap. Your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack. If you fail, it will be a massacre. We've got orders to cross here. That is the German front line. Hold 
If we're not clever about this, no one will get to your brother. I will. Last man standing. The ultimate ride-or-die story during World War I, two British soldiers, Corporals Sh Lance Corporal Schofield and Lance Corporal Blake, receive impossible orders. They have to race against time, cross over an enemy territory, and deliver a message that could potentially save 1,600 of their comrades, including Blake's own brother, 1917. It's the newest from Sam Mendes, and Reggie Ponder's given us his thoughts on yeah, it. Yeah, so because I talk so much about Star Wars and that love interest thing you're talking about, I'm running short on time. So what I'm going to tell you is that this, everybody talks about this film and how well it looks. This looks so good. Yeah, they played the tra it, pr trailer ahead of Star Wars, and everybody in the theater was like, damn. Th th this looks so good. It is one of those movies that I totally recommend people seeing on the big screen. The relationship between these two men is uh, it's really interesting because it's really funny. They're two friends, and, and then they get sent on this mission. They have to go through enemy territory to save people. It reminds me of Saving Private Ryan mm -hmm. in, in, in a way, but in this case, it's, they're going to save over 1,600 people. There's a tension and drama to this that really holds your attention you get a sense of the personalities of these men and 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 you you get to see all the aspects of war here from the battle to the hierarchy of uh, survival and all the things that happen in there and and even for the people who are left behind you know these war torn uh, war torn places so what's not to like is it's kind of hard to say what's not to like about this film but what i will say is that I felt a deeper emotional emotional connection with Saving Private Ryan. I don't know why. It, 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 again, not a knock on this film, but I didn't feel that emotional connection that I felt um, for some other films that I felt here, even though it is good. This mm. looks good. And, and you know, my litmus test, and I always say this to you, Jill, my litmus test is will I go see it again? Yeah. If you ask me to go, I'll be like, oh, okay, I'll go. But this wouldn't be one that I'd say let me... I, I really want to go check it out again. I need to check it again. It's really good. I think it's worthy of all the nominations. I don't think it's worthy of the best film of the year. Oh. Okay. Uh, this one I'm giving three and a half reels. It's not for like a lot of my colleagues. Sure. I, I think it's absolutely worthy to see. If you're interested in this and you love good looking films, that and the story will keep you keep you involved in this 